Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Amen. You guys can have a seat. You can have a seat. I feel like we've had about six sermons already, but you're going to get another one. Sorry, you're not getting out of it. Uh, Colossians chapter 4. We've been in the book of the, the letter to the church of Colossae. We've been in this letter uh, all spring, the winter and through the spring. We're going to wrap it up today. And today's sermon, I'm going to use this verse, this last passage in, Colossae as a, in Colossians as a framework to look at where we are. So if you're new to our church, this is your first time, uh, next Sunday is a huge Sunday for us. Next Sunday we're going to come and we're going to make two-year commitments to try to build a property. That's, that's where it built, not build a property, build a building on a property. Uh, and really, this is the last sermon to give us clarity on what that is about. For some of you that have been with us from the beginning, most of today is a review. For some of you that are new, I hope today will help you understand why we are where we are. Colossians chapter 4, let's look at verse 2. So Paul writing to this group of believers at a local church in a town called Colossae. Here's what he says. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us. So that's Paul asking for their prayers for him, for his team. That God may open to us a door for the word. That'll be our verse for this first part. That God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I, Paul, am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Man, who needs to hear that? I do. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul's words to this church, he says, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Throughout history, God has used men and women in local churches to proclaim the story of redemption. It's God's plan, the local church, to reach the world. And God has used local churches to do that. And every church must ask the question, how are we uniquely called to proclaim the story of redemption. Churches are different, and God raises up different churches, I believe, for different purposes and and different ways of operating to reach different people. Every church has to ask, ask the question, how are we called by God to tell the story of redemption? What doors are opening for us? Paul said that, pray that a door would be open for the word. What doors are God, is God opening to us that we must walk through? And we've come to a place, we're five years in. Next Sunday's our five-year celebration. Next Sunday's going to be a party. We're going we're to tell stories from the past. We're going to look to the future. We're going to give uh, towards the future. God has been writing the story of Hill City Church. And our story is one of walking through doors And next week's a big one. If you're new to our church, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build this before the city center. It's a church, a home for us. It's right down the road. It's also a a building that blesses the city, and I'll get into that in a second. Next week, what's going to happen 
is if you're a covenant member of Hill City Church, a regular attender, we're going to all come next week with commitments for the next two years to give above and beyond. So this week, Emily and I are going to come with a number of what we're going to give sacrificially beyond what we normally give to this church for this project, and we'll do that for the next two years. For some of you, that's a big one-time gift. For some of you, that's every month, and it's going to take every single one of us. I went to Salt Company and college students. You're in on this. You're in on this. It takes every single one of us. We believe that this is the next step, the door that God has opened for us. And and I'll just tell you this. uh, This building, um, having this building will not magically just cause us to do great things for God. If we're not doing them now, a building will do nothing. But here's what we believe. We won't be ineffective without a building. We believe we're doing the Lord's work now. But what we believe is this building will increase our effectiveness. It will give us a place to continue what we're doing in a way that's, that's more robust. And I'll, and I'll just tell you, as, as the, the person who's my, my title here is visionary leader, and, and the elders have been working together, God, what is the vision that you have for us? And we've been casting vision for this for, man, two and a half years And it's always been this struggle because how we operate is as God opens doors, we walk through them. So two and a half years ago, someone came and said, hey, if you guys ever want to build a church, I will donate the money. We will donate the money for your church to have property. And they bought the property for us. Two and a half years. We didn't ask for it. It was God like opening doors. And we've just stepped through, stepped through, stepped through. That's our posture and that's where we are now. We're stepping through the door that God has placed. I love how James, James chapter 4, he he writes about this idea of like how to discern the will of the Lord. Here's what he says. Um, He says, caution you who say, hey, today we're doing this, tomorrow we'll do this, we'll go to this place. Like, Like just, oh yes, that's what the Lord has. He said, caution. He says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What what is your life? He says, you're a midst, a mist, a vapor that appears for a little time and it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And that is our posture. Um, I have no direct revelation from the Lord that this is what we're supposed to do. The elders don't need it. We've not heard a voice. We've not seen a vision in the clouds. But all of the steps, the doors open, point us here. And so that's our posture today. Next week, we're going to give above and beyond, and we're going to see what the Lord does and walk through the doors that are opened. Here's what I want to do today. For some of you that, that are new to our church, I want to tell you our story and how we've come to be Hill City Church and how, as Hill City Church, we have ground, gained clarity on how are we supposed to tell the story of redemption. We have five core values, I'm sorry, six core values. And they are how we believe we, Hill City Church, are uniquely wired to proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's jump into that, and I hope this will make sense as I bring you up on our story. So we started Hill City Church five years ago. When we planted our church, here is the goal, survive. (laughs) Um, We had a team of 50 to 80 people that went out to start this church with us. Were any of you, anyone here that was with us that first summer we met at Jefferson Avenue on Sunday nights? Let me hear you. Wow, okay, the first gathering, there's like eight of, <laughs> eight of you. So there's, there's more of you here. So we started, at a, we used a little church on Sunday nights, and we met there with a group of 50 to 100 people. Um, 
many of those people that started were actually in a college ministry that I led many years ago. How many of you were like Vine people from back in the day? Wow, a few of you still. Okay, that's good. So we started the church really with a bunch of post-college people um, and then some old people like me. Um, And from the very beginning of our church, I was talking to Brad about this together. Here is our core conviction, and this is the first core value. We will be a gospel-centered church. We will be a church where unapologetically we will say that it is not about what you are doing. It's about what Jesus has done. The gospel in America is try harder. And if you want to be, get to heaven, you need to be a good person. That is the gospel that most people believe, and it's a false gospel. The gospel is this, that without the work of Jesus, you and I are doomed. And it's only because of his work that we can be united to him. And once we place our faith in him, our identity is one of beloved children. It's the gospel. It's the core value. It's what we've been from the beginning. It's what we will be moving forward, centered around the gospel. So that was, a, that was a core value from the beginning. And then we had this other core value. We didn't have the words for it yet, but it's church family. We had the desire as we planted this church that we could create a community, that we could lead a community where people don't just come to church and are nice to one another. Where actually people are in community, they're getting to the deeper matters of the heart, they're sharing their stories with one another, and they're seeing redemption come to their life. Did you hear the stories in baptism? Did you hear the words spoken in? That these are not just uh, relationships where they see each other for five minutes on a Sunday. These are deep, meaningful relationships. First Peter says, love one another deeply from the heart. That's what a church family does. It's something we're passionately committed to, uh, of being men and women, young and old, that are in community, speaking life and goodness into one another. And one of the things I love about our church is how diverse we are. Now, we're in Springfield, Missouri, so we're limited there. But when I say diverse, I don't mean racially. I mean ethnically where we're from, politically. I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but I bet we're split down the middle, which creates challenges, doesn't it? Good challenges. Good challenges. And it's a unique thing. Even in our church, I'm going to... Here are some of the nations we have represented that are part of our church. We have multiple countries from Africa, people from there. Anyone? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. I know they're here. Uh, France, Korea, New Zealand, India, Russia, Canada, Costa Rica. Those are just to name a few of countries, nations represented in our body. And what we believe is this facility gives us a place to better be a church family. We'll have meetings rooms. We'll have large group spaces. We'll have medium-sized spaces that allow groups to get, gather and get together. We'll have kids space. Do we have any kids volunteers here? Okay, like, you all don't want to go upstairs last hour. There's, it's overflowing. We're running out of space. We've ran out of space in our kids' area. A place where our kids can be shepherded. We'll have adequate space to minister our kids. We have something called Light Company. It's our junior high, high school ministry. And you like them? I love it. I love it. A place for them to, to minister to our middle school and high school kids. Well, they don't have to come downtown on a Wednesday night at, at 7 o'clock. A place for there. This is cool. A place for us to gather for prayer gatherings. 
One of the challenges as we plan our church, we desire for our body to be praying together more, but it cost us a ton of money to rent this space. And so just to have a place where we can do a Wednesday night, a Sunday night prayer gathering, and it doesn't cost us more, a place where we as Hill City Church can connect to one another and love one another deeply from the heart. So our first couple of years, here's the goal, stay alive. Stay alive. Most churches, it takes three to five years for them to be self-sustaining, meaning they don't need outside help. We were able to do it in a, in a year and a half, which was crazy, the faithfulness of the Lord just to provide those needs for us. Uh, if you were here in the early days, um, we bounced around. We've been in five different locations. In the first year or two of our church, it was literally, where's Waldo every Sunday morning? Like, where's Hill City Church? Some of you would have to get on the website to see, are they at the Art Museum? Are they at University Plaza? You guys remember those days? So here's a reality. This is the most beautiful place we could ever do church. When I talk to friends of mine who lead the churches, I'm like, guys, you need to come see our place and you will all covet what we have. <laughs> okay? But here, here's also the reality. We rent this space on Sundays. So at any point, something could happen. The board of the Galois could say, yeah, we don't want to have a church meet here. And where do you take 900 people? As good as this is, and as, as what a blessing this is, a facility gives us a place of permanence to continue to grow. So these first, two, first couple of years, it's stay alive. It's this core value of gospel-centered, this core value of church family. And then year three, a couple of years ago, right when we started meeting at the Galois, I stood up in front of you guys and we began to cast a vision for more of our core values as we as elders and, and covenant members begin to pray, who will we be? Some, some other things rose to the surface of our unique calling as a church. So the next thing is next generation. We are a church that unapologetically, I can't say that word, unapologetically, have college ministry as one of our primary ministries. And we don't back away from it. If that's not you, you're not going to like Hill City Church. But there's lots of other churches that don't have that as their primary mission. We believe that God has uniquely called Hill City Church to reach the next generation. And we put a ton of our resources to reaching college students in our community. We do that through Salt Company. Salt Company is our college ministry. They're averaging 215 students on Thursday nights at our Salt Company. They've grown by 100 students just this year. They meet on Thursday nights at a little church, and they're going out, to outgrow it next year. This facility gives us a place for Salt Company on Thursday nights. Hey, as, as this, as this uh, core value of next generation rose to the surface of our church, we've joined what's called the SALT Network. SALT Network is a group of 20 churches who all have college ministry as, the, as one of their core ministries. So we've joined together, and here is our goal. As the SALT Network church, this is us. Our goal is to plant a church in every major university city in America. Right now we have 20-something. There's over 400 major university centers. And so the goal of Salt Network is we're going to plant a healthy church in the community to reach that campus and to reach people in that community. So right now we have two churches that are going to be starting the next few months. One in Columbus, Ohio, trying to reach Ohio State University. In Columbus, there's over 1 million people in the, in the metro area 50,000 students at Ohio State University. 
Salt Network is sending a church plant, a planter, and a team there to reach that campus. Right? This is where our next generation ties into our mission. Because we're, I'll get to this in the end, we're going to start planting churches, Hill City Church. And we're going to plant them in university cities, we're going to plant them all over. Many of you can't pick up and leave, but you all can. And so we believe, college students come to Springfield to leave, to get a degree and leave. We're scrapping that. Here's what we say. They come to Springfield to be equipped and be sent. And so a big part of this vision is that we would be sending students as they graduate to move to places where these church plants are and get a job and be good local church members. That's part of this vision. So Salt Company is part of our vision to reach the world. We have one of our seniors who's going to be a resident at a Salt Network church next year. We're sending him there. This facility helps us do that. So, so next generation rose to the surface of this is how God has uniquely called Hill City Church. And here's another one that came to the surface. Leadership development. That if we're going to send people, we have to develop them. We have to develop one another so that we're equipped to step into our calling. So leadership development is something that we're passionate about here. We have some different avenues for that. We do uh, Hill City Institute. How many of you Hill City Institute folks are out there? Yeah. So this is once, once a month on a Saturday. They come. You, you enroll for a semester, and you come once a month for Saturdays, and you're equipped in areas of ministry, theologically, understanding the Bible, in your leadership capacity, in emotional health, how to be emotionally healthy adults. That's what Leadership Institute is. We're starting something called Story Workshops that allows you to jump into your story, understanding how God has wired you. This is all for developing leaders. It's central to our vision. Leadership development. This facility gives us ample room to develop our leaders. It allows us to grow institute and have more people engaged in this. So then as we keep praying, God, what do you have Hill City Church to be? A couple of years ago, this other core value rose to the surface, and that's being for the city. Now, it was there from the beginning, but it, it didn't materialize until a couple of years ago. And ultimately, here's what we said. Our posture is people that are for the city. Our members need to be people that are in the city doing good, using their gifts, their talents, their calling in the city. But here's the, also the thing, is our building needs to reflect that value. So the core from the beginning of this vision was this will be a place for Hill City Church, but it will also be a place that tangibly blesses the city. So give me an example. When we, when we came to the Galois Theater, we leased the top floor where all our kids' spaces are, and we have made those available to our nonprofit partners. Just in one year before COVID hit, we had over 60 nonprofit groups use that space for free. And as we get to our building, we're going to be able to open that up even more. Where nonprofits can come and train and celebrate and equip and do fundraisers at our building. As we begin to pray, God, how would you use this building? That we would have space in that building for nonprofit partners or to do something that blesses the city. Again, this is where, this is where as we pray, like particulars start to come to the surface. So one of the needs in every major uh, survey that's done in our city, here's one of the top three needs in every single one. Mental health is a huge issue, especially post-COVID. Yeah. I was hanging out with a, with a doctor on Friday night who was on call and was like, suicides and suicide attempts are on the rise. 
right? Mental health. And so as we begin wrestling, God, how have you called Hill City to meet needs? One of our visions that we're pursuing now is a counseling center that would have gospel-centered but clinically informed counselors that we can refer one another to to become healthy, mature adults. So we've been trying to be clear with this building. Yes, it's for Hill City Church, but it's also for the city. And we're continuing to pray, Lord, what does that look like? Give us more clarity around this vision. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and I was like, I asked him, like, Stevie, like, how do I, how do I talk about the vision of the for, to, for the city thing, also knowing that we don't know exactly what that looks like? Is that, that's kind of how we feel. Like, that's a central part of this. Can I tell you the particulars of what that's going to look like in four years? No, I can't. But maybe here's a metaphor to help you understand. So we have a lot of young marrieds. Some of you are going to buy a house, and you're going to have a basement, and it's unfinished. And you're going to keep it unfinished for a few years because you have no money. And you're going to store stuff down there. And then as your kids start to grow and start to get noisy, you're going to have money to refinish your basement. And what are you going to do? You're going to throw the kids down there. Kids, go play downstairs. And your basement's going to be a place for your kids to play. Well, then as your kids grow up, you're going to get rid of some of the other toys, and you're going to put a ping pong table down there and a pool table. And you want your, pl- your basement to be a place their friends so it's a teenage hangout, and it gets wrecked. There's holes in the walls and all that. Okay? Then as your kids grow up, your basement changes again, and it's your man cave now. You, you get a few years, guys, to really enjoy your basement until your kids have kids, and then it's back to baby toys again, and it's grandkids. You get the metaphor. It's always changing, and that's kind of how this vision of the For the City side is. We're continuing to ask the Lord, give us clarity on what the particulars of this look like. So we're building this church in a way to give us some options for that. Uh, we have two different plans. Depending on what, how you all give, we can build the whole darn thing next fall, or we may have to s- scale it and step into one side and then build some more as funds come, and we'll keep you in the loop about that. So year three to five, our goal was to become a healthy church. And here we are five years in, and are there things we need to grow in? Oh, of course. Are we the perfect church? Absolutely not. But I think we're to a place of health. And now's our last core value. And from this point on, once we get into this building, this will be the core value that will drive much of what we do is multiplication. My, my goal, our goal from the beginning was never to be a big church. As a matter of fact, um, a couple of years ago when we first started looking at this property and first started talking about the size that it would be, and I'll, and I'll give you some of those details, um, I was uneasy about it. Because I think if I asked myself, like, what's my fear in starting and leading a church? My fear would be that it would turn into a place where people come and sit for an hour and they're entertained. And I had this fear that a, a bigger church would cause that to happen more. And I remember a friend of mine I was talking to him, I was like, man, I just don't, I don't, I don't feel good about this. I don't want Hill City to be a big church. And he looked at me, he's like, Daniel, who are you to decide what Hill City Church will be? Hope you have friends like that, because we all need them. But as we step into this building, we, the size that we've landed on an auditorium, it's going to seat up to 900, and that'll be crammed, probably more like 800. And that's a very specific 
number for a specific reason. Because here's what it does. It gives us sending capacity. Meaning a big enough group of people, we have the funding and the people to send to start new churches. But it also limits us. We're not building an auditorium of 2,500 seats because our goal has never been to just be a big church. Because Hill City being a marginally bigger church is not the hope of the world. The hope of the world would be starting new churches that can reach new people with new visions. And so as we begin to step into a facility, one of the big goals is we will be a church that begins to multiply. We are searching right now for a church planter. We want to send people that are around 30 or at least 30 years old. We have a lot of talented young people that I think will plant churches. They're just not quite ready yet. We're searching for a church planter. Our goal is by the time we're moving in our building, we're preparing to start a new church. Get this statistic. Fewer than, or less than a half of 1%. Okay? A half of 1% of churches ever plant another church. Let me say that again. Less than a half of 1% of churches ever plant another church. Hill City Church will be a church that plants multiple churches. Because we believe that multiplication versus addition is the way to reach the world. We will begin stepping into this vision of multiplication. This facility allows us to do that. So I go back to this prayer of Paul. Pray that God will open doors for us to proclaim the word. And that's what it looked like for Paul to step into in this church in Colossae. They're calling of, God, how are you opening doors for us? And we are stepping through. And that's where Hill City Church is. We're stepping through. And then he keeps going. Verse 7. This is a part that's so overlooked in these New Testament letters. But it's so cool if you actually think about it. This is where like the greetings and the farewells happen. A lot of times we skip over those in our Bible reading. But this is so rich. Look, let's look at this. Verse 7. Ticketus will tell you about my activities. Okay, Ticketus is from Turkey, what we would call Turkey. Um, he was the person who delivered Paul's letters to uh, Colossae, to Ephesians. Um, he was a, a messenger. And he's named here in the Bible. Ticketus will tell you of my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister. And fellow servant in the Lord. Notice how Paul doesn't just say what Tychicus does, but who he is. You see that? Yeah, he's going to deliver my message, but he's a faithful brother and a faithful minister. And I sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know who we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Verse 9, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, that's who he is, who's one of you. All we, all we know about Onesimus is he's, uh, he's a runaway slave and eventually becomes a church leader in the city of Ephesus. They will tell you everything that has taken place here. Verse 10, And Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So he names these guys, Ar Aristarchus. Uh, all we know is that he accompanied Paul in his missionary journeys. He's almost killed with Paul in Ephesus. He's shipwrecked with Paul in Acts 27. 
We don't know what happened to, happens to him after that. Mark, uh, maybe the person who wrote the Gospel of Mark, no one really knows, he becomes a church leader at a church in Egypt in the first century. Justice, we know nothing about him except for his name's written here. That's all we know. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, he's called one of you, so most people think he's a church member from Colossae that's somehow accompanying Paul. He's a servant of Jesus, and he greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He's a, he's a prayer warrior. That's his calling. That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Verse 14, you might recognize this name. Luke, the beloved physician. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote Acts. He greets you, as does Demas. We don't know anything about that person. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. He names a woman who has a church meeting in her home. And when his letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So he's written another letter. We don't even have that one. And say to our, this kills me, Archippus, does that sound good? You don't know either, so that's, that's how it is. All right. <laughs> and say to Archippus uh, that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. And then verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Here's why I love this. Paul just names a bunch of men and women who are God is using in that generation to proclaim the story of redemption. How many of you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, thank you for Tychicus. Hey, God, I'm so thankful for Onesimus. Anyone? Of course not. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. God uses churches to proclaim the story of redemption. And in every generation, God uses people for his unique work to tell the story of redemption. And those people that God used, their life was like a vapor. Here and gone. And so is yours. In 20 years, no one knows your name. In 20 years, maybe no one knows my name at Hill City Church. And that's the point. I love this because Paul is naming the people who have stepped into their calling in such a particular way that their name's actually recorded in the Bible because there's who, they are who God used in that generation to tell the story of redemption. Hill City Church, individuals, you have a calling. I love the, the girl that shared that. They, she challenged us in her, in her baptism. You have a calling to tell the story of redemption, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And your calling, it's not just what you do. It's who you are. Ticketus, a faithful brother. This person, he's a prayer warrior. This person writes a gospel. Your calling's not just what you do, it's who you are. And that's crucial. So please hear me. Yes, we want to raise money. Yes, I need you to give above and beyond. Some of you have a lot of money and we need it. Some of you have a little money and we need it. Okay? But more than that, would Hill City be a place where we are stepping into our calling, where we know ourselves and we know how God has uniquely wired us 
to show the story of redemption. Give me an example. Um, Michael and Brad and myself all have the title of lead pastors. We all have different roles. Being lead pastor of Hill City Church is not my calling. It's what I do. My calling is who I am as I'm lead pastor of Hill City Church. So as I've done my work, I have three particulars around my calling that I've come to realize. This is how Daniel, this is how I am made to tell the story of redemption. Here's the first one. Eyes to see. My gifting is vision for the future and being able to see things that aren't there yet, not in creepy ways, okay? but just having a vision for the future. Eyes to see future and eyes to see in others what they can't see in themselves. For many of you, I've looked at you and said, here is what I see in you. And you haven't seen yourself. That's part of my calling, eyes to see. Here's the second part of my calling, a heart to connect. I don't know if you've caught on to this. I'm an emotional person. <laughs> hey? uh, Brad is not. <laughs> well, it looks, Brad's an emotional person. It looks different. And that's good. Right? It's good that we have different ways. And so heart to connect means I'm relational. I'm in my wheelhouse when I am talking to people about the heart and connecting to, to their heart. That's where my calling is. Here's the third one. It's courage to rise up. I'm not afraid to start new things. I'm not afraid to leave a, a, a church where I was secure and help start a church where I may not have a job in a year and a half. I'm not afraid to step in and start new things. That is my calling. That may not be your calling. What is your calling? I love what Paul says. He tells them, remember my chains. Hey, Colossae, remember my chains. See, Paul's in prison for his faith. And he'll actually die because of his calling. There's some verses where Paul brings more particular. Here's Paul's calling. He tells us, this is Romans 15, 20. He says this, and thus I make it my ambition, my calling, here it is, to preach the gospel where Christ has already or has not been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. See, Paul's calling was to preach the gospel where it has not been preached before, to go to faraway places. That's some of your calling. That's his. What is your calling? See, you have a calling to proclaim the story of redemption. And if this church, Hill City Church, is going to be who God is calling us to be, it, a brick-and-mortar building will do nothing if the men and women of Hill City Church are not stepping into their calling. It will just be another building. Yes, I want us to give. Yeah, I'm going to challenge you to give sacrificially. But more than that, my challenge is that Hill City Church will begin more and more to step into the calling of who God has called us to be. So this week, here's what's going to happen. Uh, married couples, singles, wherever you find yourself, you're going to need to go back this week and begin to pray if you haven't already. God, what would you have for me in regards to generosity? If we're going to have a building, it's going to take every single one of us. Uh, on the paper, it does not make sense for a young church of, full of 30-year-olds and down to be able to build this. But God's been faithful all the way. So this week, I'm going to challenge you to pray and say, God, what would you require of me? Here's my heart. 
Emily and I are going to do the same thing. And we're going to give sacrificially. And we're going to ask hard questions of God. What would you tell us to say no to so we can actually say yes to this? But here is why I'm giving. Here's why I will give above and beyond. Because in a couple of years, we'll have a building where another married couple will come in who are struggling in their marriage. And they're about to give up hope. But they're going to come and they're going to come to that building and they're going to have hope for the first time. They're going to be able to step into ministries and a marriage conference and the things that we do to help them make it through their marriage. And their marriage will be a testimony of the gospel. That's why I'm going to give. I'm going to give to this building because there's a young college guy who's playing into the stereotype that he needs all of this stuff and not Jesus. And he's going to come to Hill City Church and he's going to get wrecked in a beautiful way. And God's going to reveal to him what true manhood looks like. That's why I'm going to give. I'm going to give to this vision because I want to see more churches planted. I believe Hill City Church will plant many churches over the next few years to reach the next generation. I want to be a part of that. I'm going to give because there's a young girl that's going to come to our church and she's been drinking from the same well. And it's killing her. And she's going to come and she's going to find hope. I'm going to give to this project because they're is a newly empty nest couple who's going to come to our church and they're going to become on fire for the Lord because they're going to see what God's doing. And they're going to spend their last 20 years not sitting on a beach in Mexico, but actually investing in the next generation. That's why I'm going to give. It's been so neat over the past year and a half. We've had so many 50 and 60 and 70-year-olds come to our church that I think God is uniquely bringing here because we need you. We need you. We need you to invest in this next generation. That's what I'm going to give. I'm going to give to this church because I believe that we have students, kids in our church who will be future church planters. And parents, some of your kids are going to be baptized in that building. And that's going to allow us to reach more kids and to train them up and eventually to send them out. That's why I'm going to give. So my prayer to you this week is you go before the Lord and you ask him, God, what would you require of us? Let's bring it to the gospel. Because here's my wrestling this week. It's one of death and resurrection. Um, I love to give money to myself. I have a list of five toys that I want right now. I want a new kayak. I want a new bike. A fishing pole. Anyone? Hey. Um, I need the grace and mercy of Jesus. So this week, there's going to be a lot of dying to self and a lot of fighting, our desire to consume. May that connect you to the death of Jesus. It's why he came. Your desire to just live life for you is why Jesus died. So as you feel that fight of, oh, I don't want to give that, that's the death of Jesus. <laughs> he died for that. But he also rose. And as you have little moments of hope, and as you begin to give and step into generosity, that's resurrection. Okay? And it's a fight. It's holding both. As you come to give next week, as you come to make your commitments, part of you is not going to want to do it. Death of Jesus. Part of you is going to be hopeful and joyful for what the Lord's going to do. That's the resurrection of Jesus. So as you do the hard work this week and praying, may you hold death and resurrection together and wrestle and then come next week ready to give faithfully to this. Let's pray together.